Hello from wherever you are, and welcome to the third episode of Mosaic, where we bring student writing to life through audio storytelling. If you have an original poem, short story, essay, or article you want to bring to life, or are interested in voice acting for another piece, email us at mamaronekpublicradio at gmail.com. Today, Anna McDonald and Taylor Farrone will read Taylor's poem, Persephone Rewritten, which was originally published for the 2021 edition of Calliope, MHS's literary magazine. Then we'll speak to Taylor about their process for writing and rewriting this piece, as well as the beautiful imagery, novel take on a classic tale, and allusions to Greek mythology. We're very alike, him and I. Narrative foils mirrored across time. Stitched constellations on twilight cloth. Spilled ink on rough parchment. Ripples on Narcissus's pond. Each skip of the stone, another iteration of the same story. Low voices around a crackling fire. Isn't that what love is, after all? Regaling stories spun by muted tongues. Retracing paths carved by ancient steps. Repeating rites of hands long stilled. Love is choosing, remembering, retelling, retrying, reaching at the imprint of something that is no longer there. When the rocks splinter open at his song, weeping in anguish as only stones can, he passes through without a second glance. The abyss envelops him like the midnight sky swallowing a supernova. Sometimes I wonder what if. What if he hadn't turned around? If they'd kept going, made the journey to hell and back out again, I've made the trek a hundred times before. I know what it's like to trudge through the dark. Wisps of hands tugging at your sleeves, pleading to be remembered, begging not to be left behind, knowing it never could be. Did he follow the path only my shoes had worn? Tuck his fingers into the holds my nails had carved. Did he imagine the sounds of her footsteps behind him? pretending the drumming on the walls was more than just his own feet, pounding the ground as he rises, a staccato in time with his heartbeat. I imagine him in my mind, the rocks splitting above, his hands finding dewed grass, soft earth replacing cold stone. The sun's beams are sharp, piercing, so unlike the suffocating shadows below. Would he have held his hand to his eyes, blinded in the light, tears long held back, finally welling, all the world holding an inhale as life returns in a breath. When he pulls her into his arms, she feels like molten sunlight. And what to do now, once they'd made the journey? It's not my place to speculate, not my place to intervene. And when the shades at the tunnel mouth return, Eyes blazing golden once again. I will stand by when they tear the wall down, stone by stone, and absolve them when they pour across the river, evaporating like midday mist as they greet the sun. Instead, he dies horribly, brutally, torn limb from limb by those who once worshipped his every step, every word. Even gods must die. In another world, we could have been siblings gilded and eternal. But the son of the muse is not a god. He is glad for that in the end. Untethered, 
unanchored from mortal decay. His dismembered head bobs in the waves, and as tempests rise, his melody falters, voice sinking beneath the waves, reaching the unscathed seafloor, and settling in a cloud of sand like midnight snow. Do sunflowers bloom at the bottom of the sea? Am I still my mother's daughter? She fought nail and tooth for me, raised cities in my name, let thousands follow me under to mollify her scorned honor. But mothers don't always know what's best, and sometimes daughters grow to be unrecognizable, irreconcilable to what mothers want. When the darkness came, I closed my eyes willingly, and she wept as the pomegranate broke beneath my teeth. I know the way the story ends, the doomed hero's journey, damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. Rise and fall, rinse and repeat. The gods are desensitized to the blood on their hands, to the sea that runs dark like wine, to the dirt he forced, kicking, crying, screaming, under his nail beds. They are deaf to the sound of his voice, drifting like moth-eaten silk on the wind and under the water. Or are they plugging their ears to the cries of those they've left behind? Every time I know they'll never make it, but I can't help myself but wish. At heart, I'm still a hopeless romantic. Maybe this will be the time where he doesn't turn around. Hi, Taylor. Hi, Fatima. As explained at the beginning of this episode, you wrote your poem as part of Calliope, MHS's literary magazine, and rewrote it to read here on Mosaic. How does your original poem differ from the one we just heard? The original poem is definitely less concise than this one. I really tried to like knock down what I wanted to say and how I wanted to say it better in this piece than the original. Because a lot of the time when I write for Calliope, I'll write like one draft, edit it maybe for five minutes, be like, okay, that's enough now. Mm-hmm. And like, it's not the best editing process. So for this one, I really like sat down and tried to focus on what I wanted the piece to mean more than just like sort of words on the page. Mm-hmm. Do you usually, when you write, do you sit down in one go and write a lot? Or do you kind of space it out and come back to your drafts? A lot of the time, I will just sit down and bang it out in one go because I forget to come back to my pieces. So if I don't at least make a solid outline of what I want to finish after the first time writing, I usually won't finish it. Mm -hmm. But for some pieces, I think this one I remember coming back to a lot over the course of when I was writing it. Mm -hmm. And what were your inspirations for writing this piece? So I wrote this piece in January of 2021, and during that time, I was listening to the Hadestown soundtrack a lot. It's a Broadway musical. And I remember when I was listening to it, I thought that the storyline was so interesting because there's sort of this back and forth sort of parallel between the main story of Orpheus and Eurydice and then also the sort of underlying parallel of Persephone and Hades' story as well. And I thought that was so interesting, so I really wanted to write a poem about it. And for any listeners that might not be familiar, could you give a quick background on both the stories of Persephone and Hades and Orpheus and Recidides? 
Yeah, for sure. For Persephone, the main plot points of the myth are that Persephone, the daughter of Demeter, is walking around. In most myths, she's walking around in a flower field when she finds this pit leading into the ground and she goes down into it because she's very curious about what's there. And she ends up finding hell and then also Hades, who's the god of the underworld. And he offers her a fruit a pomegranate and she eats six of the pomegranate seeds while she's down there and so because of that she's in some myths she's forced in some myths she chooses to stay down in the underworld for six months of the year so another plot of the myth in most retellings is that Demeter Persephone's mom is very upset that her daughter has now been kidnapped slash trapped in the underworld by Hades in her eyes. So she ends up causing a mass famine across the overworld. And because of that, a ton of humans end up dying and sent to the underworld to sort of like overwhelm Hades' system. And because of this, she's able to negotiate for the six months out of the year contract sort of thing. So she spends half of the year with her daughter in the overworld and Persephone spends the other half of the year with her husband Hades in the underworld. So with the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice, essentially Orpheus is the son of one of the nine muses and he's this incredibly talented musician. And wherever he goes, if he's singing, people will follow him. And he's able to just gain a lot of fame and success by being such a good musician. And he ends up meeting this girl, Eurydice, and they fall in love, they get married. But then Eurydice is bitten by a snake and she dies. And Orpheus is heartbroken, so he ends up finding a way into the underworld. And he sings to these rocks at the gate and they end up crying, which is something that I wrote about in my piece because I remember thinking the imagery of that was so interesting when I was younger. And so I thought that would be a really cool thing to write about. So once he goes down to the underworld, he's able to bargain with Hades and Persephone by playing a song for them. And they tell him if he can walk all the way back to the surface without turning around, without talking to Eurydice, who will be following him, he will be able to bring her back to life. So they are on this walk and unfortunately Orpheus begins to doubt himself begins to doubt that Hades is trustworthy and begins to doubt that Eurydice is even there. So depending on the myth, the reason he turns around is different, but he always does. In in the original, actually, recording of Hades Town, he turns around because he misses her. And I just think it's such an interesting thing that in every myth, they never get back to the surface. And No matter how hard you try or no matter how hard you rewrite it, Eurydice is always going to go back under. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was just such an interesting thing to be able to write about for this piece. Right. And you talk about that in the second stanza where you say, what if he hadn't turned around, if they'd kept going um, and kind of made it out of hell and been able to return to the overworld? Yeah, because for that piece, I really, the piece is written from the viewpoint of Persephone, but told about Orpheus, which I thought was sort of like an interesting thing to do, because clearly she is a big part of the myth because she ends up convincing Hades in most retellings to let them go or to let them try at least. So being able to, yeah, talk about it and be like, are they going to be able to make it back out was very interesting. Mm -hmm. And I see these parallels you're talking about, about her, you know, trudging and trekking through the underworld to get to the surface for six months a year and um, Orpheus doing the same in order to return him and his wife to the overworld. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was a 
That was one of my favorite parallels that I wrote in this piece. Is there any song from that soundtrack that particularly inspired you? The Wait For Me, Reprise, I don't even know how you pronounce Reprise, but that one was my favorite song because it's when they're like going up and they're doing like the walk where Orpheus can't turn around. And that part was, that was just such a good song and the singing it was amazing. I remember definitely listening to that one several times over as I was writing this piece. Mm -hmm. That's really clear imagery that we see a lot through your piece of the hero not being able to turn around. And finally, I really think the last stanza is super interesting because it classifies Persephone as a hopeless romantic, even though she's been either tricked or trapped or willingly chooses to kind of spend her year torn between her mother and one life above the surface and Hades with another life below the surface. Um, and I think it's really interesting that she still has she still has this hope for um, the happiness of Euripides and Orpheus. Um, I think that's super interesting. How did you develop kind of this narrative voice for Persephone? I think the main narrative voice for Persephone really came out of just listening to the Hades Town soundtrack a lot because her character is very interesting. She clearly does not want to be there in the musical. Like her relationship with Hades is faltering quite a lot because they only see each other six months a year, and that's part of why she's still down there because Hades is sort of keeping her there. And I thought it was interesting then to sort of change that narrative to her being a hopeless romantic and still choosing to try again, even though it's not really working out, and just being, again, torn between these two different worlds but still trying to give so much to both of them. Thank you so much for coming to talk to us, Taylor. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. This episode of Mosaic was produced by Fatima Khan, Anna McDonald, and Taylor Ferrone as a part of Mamaroneck Public Radio. Thanks for listening.